In reality television, the people are represented by two separate but equally obsessed attorneys. This is their podcast. Hi, I'm Ceci. And I'm Angela. And this is the Bravo Docket. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Okay, well, the government has a lot to say. The government <laughs> submitted 333 pages. Their memorandum was 22 pages. And then all the rest of that 333 pages is exhibits. And we're going to go through a lot of the text messages at the end. And Ceci and I are going to read those back and forth like we talked about, because that really does help show the full extent of her knowledge and state of mind as she was doing these things. So I'm just going to read the first couple paragraphs from the government's sentencing memorandum, and then we'll go through their specific arguments after that. The government says the defendant, I'm going to say Jen Shaw, because I think that's just easier for listeners to conceptualize. For nearly a decade, Jen Shaw was an integral leader of a wide-ranging nationwide telemarketing fraud scheme that victimized thousands of innocent people. Many of those people were elderly or vulnerable. Many of those people suffered significant financial hardship and damage. At Jen Shaw's direction, victims were defrauded over and over again until they had nothing left. Jen Shaw and her co-conspirators persisted in their conduct until the victims' bank accounts were empty, their credit cards were at their limits, and there was nothing more to take. Jen Shaw was not deterred by the Federal Trade Commission's investigations or enforcement actions, nor by learning that dozens of her co-conspirators had been arrested by federal law enforcement, pled guilty for their roles in the scheme, and that two were convicted at trial. To be clear, Jen Shaw was not ignorant of these developments. She took a series of increasingly extravagant steps to conceal her criminal conduct from the authorities. Jen Shaw directed others to lie. She put businesses and bank accounts in the name of others. She required payment in cash. She instructed others to delete text messages and electronic documents. She moved some of her operations overseas, and she tried to put computers and other evidence beyond the reach of investigators. These efforts were not short-lived or narrow in scope. She engaged in a years-long comprehensive effort to hide her continued role in the scheme. Despite Jen Shaw's best efforts, she got caught. She then went on a public offensive and tried to profit off the charges by selling, quote, Justice for Jen merchandise. She pled guilty at the 11th hour only after receiving the government's trial exhibits and witness statements. In light of her conduct and her post-arrest behavior, her belated expressions of remorse ring hollow. Jen Shaw is the most culpable person charged in this case. 
and for the reasons set forth below, she should be sentenced to a term of 120 months imprisonment. Mm, So they're arguing that the reason she pled so late was because she got all the evidence. But then in hers, she was arguing she pled late to avoid the shame. Interesting. The first argument the government makes is that her fraudulent conduct occurred from at least 2012 until March 2021 when she was arrested. And they say specifically from 2012 to 2016, Jen Shaw worked for so-called coaching fulfillment companies called Thrive Learning LLC and Guidance Interactive. And both Thrive and Guidance obtain leads from lead generators, that is, marketing companies that offer products such as pamphlets to individuals express an interest in earning money from the home. Jen Shaw, while employed at Thrive and Guidance, sold these leads to individuals operating sales floors that sold victims so-called coaching sessions. At times, these sales floors included those operated by co-defendants Kevin Handron and Cameron Brewster in Utah and Nevada, and those operated by William Sinclair and Michael Finocciario, both of whom were defendants in the related case of the United States v. Katabshi, and those operated by Ryan Holt and Jason Sager, who were also charged in Katabshi. Once the victims were sold coaching sessions, Jen Shaw typically required the coaching sales floors to use Thriver guidance to provide victims with so-called business coaching sessions. And Ceci and I have talked about those before. So the second point the government makes is that Jen Shaw facilitated the continuation of the business opportunity scheme after the FTC tried to shut it down. So in early 2013, the tax club, which legal team you know about because we played the recordings from the tax club that the FTC obtained in this investigation we're talking about in our previous episode, and that's the one that Ryan Holt was the leader of. For approximately four years before the tax club was shut down, the tax club obtained victim information from Thrive and made fraudulent sales to those victims. After the tax club was shut down, Jen Shaw began facilitating the sale of victim information by Guidance, which is Thrive's successor company, to other tax lawyers that operated in the wake of the tax club's demise and used the same deceptive practices as the tax club, or in some cases, even worse practices. These included top-shelf marketing, which was then operated by co-defendant Joseph Minetto and the Katabshi defendants Holt and Sager, and reliable business consultants operated by Holt, Joseph Governera, and later Louis Governera. On or about 2014, Jen Shaw demanded that Holt cause Top Shelf Marketing to increase its per-dollar lead revenue, which would have the effect of increasing the revenue share payable to guidance for the leads Jen was providing to Top Shelf Marketing. So, I mean, just side note here, sidebar with Ceci, Part of the problem of not pleading until <laughs> the 11th hour is that the government was 100% prepared for trial. Mm-hmm. A lot of this sentencing memorandum that the government did is reading like an opening statement mm-hmm. where they're informing a jury of what's going on, which is why I'm reading so much from it, because it reads that way. The other thing they're doing is they're pointing out that her detailed involvement has gone on for such a long time that I, I think throws a wrench in their sort of... Uh, Jekyll and Hyde argument that she was one person when she was in New York and one person when she was in Utah. When Ceci and I were on Ryan Bailey's podcast, you know, Ryan asked us if we ever heard this defense before. And I said that I had only heard the Jekyll and Hyde defense or falling in with the wrong crowd in juvenile cases. And I think it can be very effective if your middle schooler falls in with the wrong crowd and is committing vandalism or something. But (laughs) I don't. Yeah, I also want to point out that she's trying to limit how involved she was in the whole operation to a specific time period. And so by listing out her involvement kind of in this chronological order, they're really pointing to the fact that it wasn't limited to the short time period that she claims it was. 
So just bear that in mind. Pay attention to these dates. In April 2015, Jen Shaw gave sworn testimony as part of the FTC's investigation of top shelf marketing. During her testimony, Jen Shaw admitted to providing leads to hold in top shelf marketing while she was employed by Thrive, but she falsely denied engaging in any lead brokering on behalf of guidance. In truth, reliable business consultants paid Jen Shaw $5,000 per week for her role in obtaining leads for reliable business consultants, in addition to the fees paid by reliable business consultants to guidance. That's all the way back in 2015. Mm-hmm. In early 2016, the government talks about how while Jen Shaw had previously received payment from Thrive and Guidance by direct deposit, in 2016, Jen Shaw began funneling her compensation for participating in the fraud scheme into her bank accounts via structured cash deposits, which I'm sure were under the limit for reporting to the government certain amounts. The government is pointing out year by year all of the very involved operations that she had. In point four that the government makes, they say Jen Shaw directly targeted victims by operating a sales floor. Jen in her memorandum and in her arguments, tried to really kind of separate herself from the people that were making the calls like you heard on our last episode and saying, well, I wasn't personally the one defrauding them. And I didn't talk to them. Yeah, I didn't talk to them. And we'll talk more about that argument later. But in early 2017, the FTC sued both Thrive and Guidance for engaging in deceptive business practices. Jen Shaw, in partnership with co-defendant Stuart Smith, continued to operate Red Steel and sold leads to coaching sales floors throughout New Jersey, Washington, Nevada, and Utah, including sales floors operated by Handron in Utah and New Jersey. Around the same time, Jen Shaw, with Stuart Smith's assistance, opened her own sales floor in Manhattan called Mastery Pro Group, further exploiting the victims of the business opportunity scheme. Jen Shaw ran the day-to-day operations of Mastery Pro Group and hired many sales and administrative personnel to work at Mastery Pro Group. Sidebar again with Ceci. One of the things that struck me from reading through all the text messages and the government's memorandum was this was a lot of work, actually. I mean, it was detailed. And Jen really is smart. She definitely Mm -hmm. has business acumen. She was keeping track of all of these things and all of these people, I think, other types of crimes are a lot easier. Honestly, going to law school would have been easier than this <laughs> years-long fraudulent operation. <laughs> but looking through all the detailed stuff in the spreadsheets, and a lot of it is pretty boring, so we're not going to talk about it specifically on the podcast. But looking at it, she's very smart. She had mm-hmm. business acumen. She just funneled it into this horrible, horrible thing, which yeah. it still doesn't. I don't understand why. Yeah, like reading some of the emails, she has very professional language in some of mm-hmm. them that they attached to. Is it? Well, you can just tell she knows what she's talking about. She's got, yeah. you know, that she's kept track of all the account. Like she knows mm-hmm. how to maneuver things, and it's actually very sophisticated. Yeah, and I think people watching Real Housewives, especially in the beginning, people are like, "She's too dumb to have done all this." No, she wasn't. <laughs> no, she's not dumb. So around 2017. Jen Shaw had a telling interaction with the co-conspirator after meeting in Manhattan. Specifically, the co-conspirator told Jen Shaw that the drop shipping services that Mastery Pro Group sold were one of the worst things he'd seen. He explained to Jen Shaw that it was impossible for the customers to make money with the service because the prices they were being charged for the products to resell could easily be found cheaper elsewhere online, so no one would ever buy those products from the victim's businesses. The co-conspirator also told Jinshaw that corporate credit was merely a cheap probing method to get a victim to lower their guard 
so that a sales representative could learn how many assets the victim had in order to eventually talk them into spending all those assets. Again, sidebar with Ceci, we heard part of that on some of the tax club calls where they were asking this 70-plus-year-old woman about all the assets she had. Right. But this just goes to show someone was telling her, this seems wrong. Yeah. I mean, even her own people had thought that, okay, yeah, we're scamming people, but this seems like it's going too far. I think we're going to get caught. And the government says, but Jin Shah went forward with selling these products and services anyway and never did anything to limit or modify the predatory practices that the co-defendant had raised. Her reaction shows that she was well aware of the fraudulent nature of the scheme and the damage it caused to victims and did not care. We're still in 2017. Point five that they make is that the defendant's criminal conduct continued after the Kitabshi arrests and she attempted to conceal her criminal conduct from law enforcement. There's some very specific things in the text messages that we're going to read at the end that are direct evidence of this. And (laughs) we'll go over that later. Another issue, and this is still from 2017, the government says during this time period, Jen Shaw often joked about the victim's suffering and her employee's ability to victimize them. And we are going to read some of those text messages at the end. And then they detail in six bullet points several other methods that Jen Shaw used to attempt to conceal her criminal conduct. Jen Shaw instructed Stuart Smith to direct co-conspirators to pay for leads in cash. Jen Shaw told co-conspirators to incorporate victim-facing telemarketing companies in the state of Wyoming because that state's laws would permit them to conceal the true owners of the companies from the public. Jen Shaw told co-conspirators to communicate only via encrypted messaging applications, including Telegram, on which she used the fake name Becky White. <laughs> Come on, that's a terrible name. <laughs> I, maybe she was trying to sound like the whitest white lady. I, don't I know, <laughs> but it's also like Betty White. Everyone loves Betty White. Don't you bring Betty White into this, Jen Shaw? (laughs) Jen Shaw and Stuart Smith discussed removing... Oh, wait. No offense if your name is Becky White. No offense. No. No. It's just a very white people name. (laughs) I'm a white people, and I'm like, that's a white people name. (laughs) (laughs) So Jen Shaw and Smith discussed removing electronic versions of sales scripts from computers and removing computers from their offices. Jen Shah directed Stuart Smith to delete their communications from his phone to eliminate any paper trail connecting Jen Shah to Mastery Pro Group. Jen Shah had Stuart Smith as the only name on the Mastery Pro Group bank accounts between 2017 and 2019, and Jen Shah was paid either in cash or through her use of the Mastery Pro Group credit card, the balance of which was paid from Mastery Pro Group's sales revenues. All of these points that they're making are the government pointing out This isn't someone that was just caught in the tide. This isn't somebody that just fell into doing something wrong and got caught up with the wrong crowd. This person was the mastermind behind it and was directing all of these behaviors. And she knew it was wrong. Mm -hmm. And she knew it was wrong. Now we're on to 2018. At the same time she was taking steps to conceal her role in the scheme, Jen Shaw's day-to-day involvement in the scheme became increasingly more significant and direct. For example, in January 2018, she was consulted by her employees at Mastery Pro Group about how to avoid chargebacks by particular victims that could damage their company's ability to process victims' payments. In particular, Jen Shaw inquired with a co-conspirator about a particular customer who had attempted a chargeback. And we're going to read the text messages from these. Then the next point the government makes regarding Jen Shah's culpability, 
and the fact that she was the mastermind of the scheme is that Jen Shaw directed Stuart Smith to lie to the FTC. And Stuart Smith pled guilty to obstruction of justice. Yeah. Jen Shaw was aware of the FTC's complaint, including the allegations that the company lied to victims in advance of Smith's scheduled deposition in mid-2018. The defendant sent Smith lists of questions and answers he should practice. And we're going to read those text messages as well. It's pretty bad. So the next point the government makes is Jen Shaw's criminal conduct continued after the Chidi arrest, and she continued to con- attempt to conceal her criminal conduct from law enforcement. Jen Shaw was well aware that another company called Corporate Development Center, which was co-owned and operated by co-defendants, and we we actually discussed their sentencing, Joseph Chaccio and Joseph Minetto, and also involved Joseph DiPiola and Maddie Cirillo and Derek Larkin. If you're interested in the specifics of what they did, go back and listen to our sentencing episode on the co-conspirators. The government points out that, for example, in May 2018, the defendant texted Smith that she was so fucking pissed off because a slimy piece of shit customer recorded our sales pitch, which tied them to this company, the Corporate Development Center company, and we sound like crooks. Jen Shaw and Smith continued to participate in the business opportunity scheme throughout 2019 and 2020, notwithstanding their awareness that Chidi and several other co-conspirators were searched, arrested, and charged with crimes in connection with the scheme. Sidebar with Sessie, the government here is pointing out that there's no way that she could continue to argue or argue at trial or argue to the court now that she didn't know that what was going on was illegal or wrong. She also yet can't argue that she left the scheme before being arrested and moved on to Real Housewives. Right. Because this is 2019 to 2020. Yeah. And we know they started filming around that time. So. Yeah. uh, Yeah. It talks about how they have computer searches and they know that Genshaw was monitoring the status of the defendants in the Katabshi case, including Google searches and docket alerts regarding co-conspirators. Yeah. So. She was like following along. So in mid-2019, Genshaw and Stuart Smith learned that the individual whose name was listed on several Red Steel bank accounts had stolen company money, all of which was fraud proceeds from victims, prompting Genshaw to blame Stuart Smith and ask several other individuals if they would open up bank accounts in their own names for Genshaw to use. Ultimately, Genshaw's aunt agreed to open a bank account in the name of Monetized Data Solutions, MDS, and MDS took over Red Steel and the lead sale business. The government doesn't necessarily point this out explicitly, but as Ceci read from Jen's memorandum talking about how she's helping so many people in her family. She's involving family members in what she knows is a criminal activity. And I don't see any evidence that the aunt was in any way indicted, but she's putting them at risk for Mm -hmm. going to jail. In November 2020, Jen Shaw publicly described her employment as follows. I own three different marketing companies and we do lead generation, data monetization, and customer acquisition. The best way to describe it is I'm the Wizard of Oz. I'm the one behind the curtain that no one knows exists, but I'm the one making everything happen. And that is from Real Housewife star Jen Shaw called herself the Wizard of Oz while explaining job prior to arrest for federal fraud telemarketing scam. That's from Access Online articles. The next point that the government makes is that Jen Shaw used fraud proceeds to live a life of luxury. In the years leading up to Jen Shaw's arrest, Jen Shaw used her profits from the business opportunity scheme, which inflicted serious financial injury on untold elderly and vulnerable Americans to live a life of luxury. 
Genshaw rented a 9,420-square-foot mansion in Park City, Utah, currently listed for $7.4 million, featuring five bedrooms, eight bathrooms, a library, eight fireplaces, and a three-car garage. Genshaw publicly referred to the mansion as the Shaw Ski Chalet. Sidebar recessi. I think we've talked before about how it's really frustrating that she didn't call it the Chalet. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I know, but that's where they insert the photo from the show. The government's doing a very good job of avoiding the minefield of bringing up the show, but they're still pointing out certain things. The government obviously knows that she used the proceeds from the fraud to rent the chalet. They're pointing that out. And so they're kind of sidestepping the judge being like, I'm not going to look at the TV show. But they're still able to bring some of it up. Smart. Yeah, it's smart. It's very smart. Jen Shaw also used fraud proceeds to rent an apartment in Midtown Manhattan. Okay, I looked up the apartment building where she lived. It's crazy. It's the Mercedes building in Hell's Kitchen, and it's a super luxury building, and it's over $4,000 a month for a small one bedroom on a lower level. It's super fancy. They point out that she leased a Porsche and made $100,000 worth of luxury goods, and then they that's where they do include some photographs of the luxury clothing, shoes, and accessories in her home, and then seize from her home, and then fund various cosmetic procedures. Um, I wonder if she spent a lot of it at uh, Beauty Lab. Yeah, <laughs> Beauty Lab and Laser. And they point out that despite her enormous unlawful income and ostentatious manner in which she spent the fraud proceeds, Jen Shaw filed false tax returns for several years and never disclosed to the IRS any income from Red Steel, Mastery Pro Group, or any fulfillment entities. The total amount of fraud proceeds the defendant concealed from the IRS is at least hundreds of thousands of dollars. Then they point out that she lied to federal law enforcement. Legal team, you are familiar with this. Because we discussed in an episode her arrest and her recorded interview to law enforcement. So they point out that she lied when she got arrested, which, again, is contrasting her with other co-defendants who immediately flipped when they got arrested and wanted to work with the government. What did they say the lie was? So following her arrest, and also they point out that she gave a voluntary recorded interview to law enforcement. Because remember, she contested that because of the contact lens solution and multiple other Dry things. Dry eyes. Yeah. During the interview, Jen Shaw falsely told law enforcement that she had not worked with Holt or Cheedy or anyone else who had been arrested by law enforcement for their role in the business opportunity scheme. She also falsely told law enforcement that she stopped working with Mastery Pro Group years prior when, in fact, her control of and receipt of crime proceeds from Mastery Pro Group continued up until the time of her arrest. Finally, point 10, the government gets to Jen Shaw's post-arrest conduct, which I think has been another incredibly common question that y'all have asked us. Are the things that she's doing is her behavior after her arrest going to get her in more trouble? Here's what the government says about that. After her arrest, Jen Shaw went on a public offensive against the charges in this case. She repeatedly, vehemently, and falsely proclaimed her innocence. For example, stating, quote, I am innocent. I did not do any of those things. And she told the public that she was going to, quote, fight the charges, not just for her own sake, but for a purported greater good. Quote, I'm fighting this. I'm innocent. I will fight for every person out there that can't fight for themselves because they don't have the resources or the means so they don't fight. I will fight because, number one, I'm innocent. And number two, I'm going to fucking represent every other person out there that can't fight and hasn't been able to. I just hope we can do better in the future and not judge people. This is a quote from Newsweek. Laura Donaldson, what Real House of Salt Lake City's Jen Shaw's Jen Shaw shed on fraud case. Was, did she say that? But did she say that on the reunion? Yeah, she said we we read that in our reunion episode. Yeah. 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 We have a reunion episode where we went through all her statements and provided arguments countering or giving our opinions based on the legal pleadings. And yeah, she said that at the reunion. 
So the government is being very careful here not to quote what she said on the show, but to quote articles repeating it, which does two things. One, again, it sidesteps the minefield of bringing stuff up from the show. And then two, it shows that this is a person that's in the national spotlight that's being quoted in Newsweek, for example, this quote, talking about how she didn't do these things. That helps the government in two ways. Because later on, the government's going to make an argument that punishing Jen for 10 years is what is needed to achieve deterrence for other people that might be involved in a similar telemarketing scheme. And they point out that before pleading guilty, Jen Shaw attempted to profit off the charges in this case by selling a range of apparel to promote her innocence. And that's in quotes. This is a quote from Us Magazine. And these included a, quote, Justice for Jen Shaw t-shirt that featured, quote, not guilty on the front and hashtag Justice for Jen Shaw on the back. Wait, can I um, respond to that? So yeah, yeah, yeah. This is in direct contrast to the argument she made in her memo that I read, where she, again, said the reason she pled so late was to avoid, you know, shaming her family and upsetting them. And the government here is saying, well, you tried to, you yelled about your innocence on this show publicly, and then we're trying to sell merchandise about your innocence. Come on, like, you can't really say that you the whole time felt this guilt but didn't do it because of your family. You took it a step further. Yeah. You're trying to make money from it. Yeah. Jesse's exactly right. Impact on the victims. This is the next point the government's making. The defendant's conduct had a devastating impact on thousands of victims. The court is familiar with the typical harms to the victims from the testimony of several victims in the Katabshi case and from the victim impact statements received in connection with other sentencing in this case and in the Katabshi case. In addition, the government attaches here to five victim impact statements provided by individuals who were victimized directly by Mastery Pro Group, the defendant's telemarketing sales floor, and a letter from a representative for another victim that was found on the defendant's cell phone. And I think some people, when we posted about this memorandum and we put up a post saying, here's the numbers, I think a couple of people were upset that there were only five statements, but that doesn't mean there were only five victims of Jen. The memorandum has a 25-page limit, so the government had to stay within that. And then the government also just selected five specific statements that were tied directly to Jen's specific sales floor that she ran, which was the Mastery Pro Group sales floor in Manhattan. Jesse, I've been talking for a long time. Do you want to read some of the victim? Sure. The, the stuff I highlighted? Yeah. And another point is that it's probably difficult to find victims that want to come forward and release a statement. Their yeah, names people are, are good, but like, how easy is it, you know? Yeah. To oh, another to point, too, is they picked victims that were willing to come to testify at trial. The government's giving the court a preview of what they would have shown at trial. All right. So victim one. Victim one is a widow in her mid-70s and was prepared to travel from California to New York to testify at Jen Shaw's trial. Jen Shaw was personally and directly involved in defrauding victim one. On February 21st, 2018, Jen Shaw was informed about the fraudulent sale as it was occurring and personally approved splitting the sale across multiple credit cards because victim one's credit limits were too low for the amount for the sales for the amount the salesperson was charging for bogus products and services. The following day on April 4th, 2018, Jen Shaw was consulted about what to do in light of victim one's attempt to charge back through her credit card company after discovering that she was defrauded. The defendant instructed co-conspirators to try and convince victim one not to charge back or, if needed, provide her with a partial refund to avoid the chargeback. Victim two was a widow in her mid-70s and was prepared to travel from North Carolina to testify at Jen Shaw's trial. 
In her statement, she describes how Jen Shaw's sales floor and others participating in the scheme defrauded her of approximately $40,000, more than half of her life savings. Jen Shaw was involved in defrauding Victim 2. On February 18, 2018, actor Victim 2 had attempted to cancel her purchases upon realizing she had been defrauded. Jen Shaw's salesperson reached out to Jen Shaw and Stuart Smith. Victim 3 is a 60-year-old woman and was prepared to travel from Nevada to testify at the defendant's trial. In her statement, she describes how she was defrauded out of approximately $35,000. She explains she is still, years later, trying to pay off the credit card debt. Jen Shaw was personally and directly involved in defrauding Victim 3, and we'll read the messages specific to that victim later. Victim 4 explains that she lost over $100,000 due to her victimization by the Business Opportunity Scheme. Due to the financial devastation visited upon her by Jen Shaw and her co-conspirators, it's, quote, an everyday struggle and an everyday worry wondering where Victim 4 is going to get money for the next set of bills that need to be paid in the food and shelter Victim 4 and her family need to survive, as well as providing care for Victim 4's critically ill husband and a 90-year-old father who is also critically ill and both need Victim 4 to help provide for them financially. Victim 4 addresses Jen Shaw directly. The burden you have caused me is overwhelming. I can't even really put into words the amount of anguish you have caused. Oh, Victim 5 explains that she was pushed by Jen Shaw's employees and her co-conspirators into approximately $30,000 of debt. Victim 5 suffers from several serious health conditions, ultimately, quote, became homeless. Victim 5 concludes, quote, I could go on and on, but the point is, as a result of the defendant and her co-conspirator's conduct, I have the problem of faith and trust. Victim 6 is a 77-year-old woman who was prepared to travel from California to testify at Jen Shaw's trial. Jen Shaw's cell phone contained a copy of a letter that a pro bono attorney sent one of Jen Shaw's co-conspirators on June 9, 2016, describing how Victim 6 was defrauded. Victim 6 took extensive steps with the help of the pro bono attorney to get approximately $8,000 of her hard-earned money back, but was never able to do so. On one occasion, Victim 6 expressed appreciation to the government for contacting her because she was upset about what the business opportunity scheme had done to senior citizens. I want to point out the government sentencing memorandum. The actual written argument was 22 pages, but total it was 333 pages. So that's 310 pages of evidence the government is submitting. And the vast majority of that were text messages and emails showing Jen's direct involvement in all of this. And again, we're going to read the text messages later on. So first, a 10-year sentence is warranted due to the nature and seriousness of the offense and the need to provide just punishment. Jen Shaw's conduct was reprehensible. She was a key leader of a multi-million dollar nationwide scheme that victimized elderly and vulnerable people, often pushing them into financial ruin and emotional distress. As explained above, the devastating effects of Jen Shaw's conduct are ongoing and some of the victims will likely never, never recover. Jen Shaw participated in the scheme for nearly 10 years in a variety of key roles and exercised control and day-to-day oversight of the provision of victim information to numerous sales floors and operated her own sales floor, Mastery Pro Group. A sentence of 120 months imprisonment is necessary to adequately reflect the nature and seriousness of Jen Shaw's conduct and provide just just punishment for the wrongs she visited upon the victims. So then they, they counter the deterrence argument. So they said, the need to specifically deter Jen Shaw from committing additional crimes and protect the public from potential future crimes also warrant a sentence of 120 months imprisonment, i.e. 10 years. Jen Shaw has demonstrated a willingness to persevere in committing crimes even when the risk of getting caught and punished is significant. 
As explained above, as the FTC and the government were dismantling the business opportunity scheme over the past 10 years, Jen Shah's only response was to take increasingly substantial steps to conceal her own conduct. Not until Jen Shah was arrested in this case did her conduct cease. Nothing short of her arrest was any deterrent to Jen Shah. She was not deterred when other telemarketing floors were being shut down by the FTC, when her co-conspirators were arrested, when her co-conspirators pled guilty, when her co-conspirators were convicted at trial, or when her co-conspirators were sentenced to lengthy prison terms. The sentence imposed should adequately reflect how difficult it is to deter someone as persistent and cunning as Jen Shah. The sentence should also account for the importance of protecting the public from any potential future crimes she may commit, as Jen Shaw is hardly someone who has demonstrated that she has suddenly turned over a new leaf after nearly a decade of crime. Third, a sentence of 120 months imprisonment, i.e. 10 years, is necessary to deter others from engaging in telemarketing fraud generally, and the business opportunity scheme specifically, and to promote respect for the law. In sentencing several of Jen Shaw's co-conspirators, the court has expressed that general deterrence is one of the important considerations in this case. It is also one of the purposes of the government's prosecution to try to prevent anyone else from joining the business opportunity scheme or from engaging in other similar conduct. In order for the court to ensure that others make choices different than those Jen Shaw made, Jen Shaw needs to be held fully accountable for her actions. The court can and should use this case to send a message that egregious conduct like Jen Shaw's will not be tolerated and that those who engage in such behavior will suffer significant punishment. Just to discuss that for a second, this is where one of the goals Ceci and I have had from the very beginning in covering this was hoping that people would be educated, one, about these types of schemes, and two, how harmful they are. And so we hope that the publicity from this and then when we appeared on the Hulu special, we hope that that really helped educate people about what's going on and hopefully made people feel like if they have been scammed, they can come forward and report it or maybe hopefully if they get one of those calls or you click on a link about work from home, you're a little less hopeful and a little more careful. The court isn't unaware that the national spotlight is on this. And so the government saying, look, for deterrence, it's really important that this person get a sentence of, and it needs to be something substantial. What do you think about that? Well, I don't know if I, I mean, I agree with her getting a longer sentence, but I think I might agree with Jen's argument more that because she is in the spotlight, she herself is less inclined to commit it against a specific deterrence. But also, I think just because all eyes have been on this case or all Bravo watching eyes have been on this case, that I think it I think a less sentence is needed to implement general deterrence to deter the general public because people are looking at it. You know what I mean? So but I can see it both ways. Like if you're a celebrity, the court might want to take advantage of that to send a clearer message that will go further. But on the flip side, if people are already watching it, aren't they more likely to be deterred? So, I mean, if she gets three years after doing this for nearly 10 years and all the evidence against her and then her persistence, if she gets three years, I don't think that's deterrence at all. Mm-hmm. If five years, I don't think is deterrence. Six years, I don't. Well, I don't. I also think it's like and I was going to mention this, but I didn't know how boring legal we wanted to get. But I also think it depends on your own view on the theories of punishment and why you think someone should be punished. I understand deterrence being a strong argument. I don't think it sways me that much in why, if I was a judge, I would implement a higher sentence. 
you know, there are other reasons like retribution, like restoring restoring the victims back to their status, incapacitating them. So I I don't know. I think it depends on how heavily you weigh deterrence. I I don't know. I there I mean they're arguing deterrence for her and for the general public and I think right. their arguments for a 10-year sentence are really strong. The fact that she doesn't have a criminal history has more to do with the fact that she didn't get caught for this before. Also, I guess if she had capitulated immediately right when she noticed the first person getting arrested, if she had said if she had immediately gone to the feds like Ryan Holt and sang on all of her other co-conspirators there because there's other people out there right now operating the same scheme that the FTC and that the U.S. attorney's office hasn't stopped yet. I guarantee you there are multiple companies that they're operating the same scheme. She is in the public eye. And if her getting a sentence of 10 years makes them be like, you know, maybe I don't want to do this. Maybe I will do something else. To me, that's a big deal. So the sentence requested by Jen Shaw, three years imprisonment, is woefully inadequate to satisfy the purposes of sentencing. In particular, such a sentence would generate unwarranted sentencing disparities with numerous of Jen Shaw's co-conspirators who have already been sentenced. For example, Jen Shaw's requested sentence would be lower than the sentences imposed on members of the conspiracy who were far less culpable than she was in the conspiracy, such as Jack Kavner, a member of Tier 3 who was sentenced to 51 months imprisonment, Chad Allen, a member of Tier 1 who was sentenced to 48 months imprisonment, and the limited mitigating circumstances present for Jen Shaw do not come anywhere close to justifying her receiving a lower sentence than Allen and Kavner. The government directly addresses some of Jen Shaw's arguments at this point. They say, first, Jen Shaw misleadingly implies that she only participated in criminal conduct for three years from 2016 to 2018. To be clear, Jen Shaw joined the conspiracy in 2012 and not in 2016. Numerous exhibits the government intended to offer at Jen Shaw's trial focused on her participation in the scheme in 2013 and 2014, including communications with co-conspirators Ryan Holt and Jason Sager. Jen Shaw's suggestion that she... One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
departed the scheme in 2018 or that she left the telemarketing industry at some point before her arrest is also completely false. Jen Shaw's communications, her control of a bank account and her aunt's name, and the information from cooperating witnesses conclusively establishes that Jen Shaw remained a part of the scheme until she was arrested in 2021. Second, while Jen Shaw is correct that the co-defendants who receive sentences higher than 36 months imprisonment can all be distinguished clearly from Ms. Shaw, the comparisons to those defendants are not favorable to the defendant and support imposition of a longer sentence than those defendants received, not a shorter sentence. Sidebar. So this is something that's masterful that you can do as a lawyer if you have the opportunity, which is turning your opponent's arguments against them. And it can be extremely effective. For example, Jen Shaw points out that some of the defendants who received substantial sentences in this case had direct contact with the victims of the fraud, while Jen Shaw did not. This is not a mitigating factor for Jen Shaw. It is an aggravating factor. Jen Shaw was so high up in the scheme that she would not need to have direct contact with the victims. As explained above, she left that dirty work to her employees and co-conspirators in the same way that a drug crew leader does not sell drugs to individual customers on the street. As the text messages with her employees make clear, she understood, indeed directed, that her employees use manipulative and financially ruinous tactics to defraud the victims. Similarly, Jin Cha tries to use the fact that the FTC did not expressly bar her from telling. Again, this is another aggravating factor, not a mitigating factor. The reason the FTC ultimately took no direct action against Jin Cha is apparent from the conduct described. She took extraordinary steps to conceal her conduct from the FTC. Third, Jin Shaw is simply wrong that she is not correctly placed in Tier A of the scheme. Jin Shaw misapprehends the analysis that the government undertook in categorizing and ordering the defendants in this case by culpability. Instead, she suggests that because she was not the but-for cause of the entire scheme and that there were some members of the scheme who did not report to her or work with her directly, that she must be in a tier other than Tier A although she does not identify in which tier she might be placed. She also points to no individual that is more culpable than her. In any event, Jen Shah's reasoning is faulty. The fact that some members of the conspiracy did not work directly with her or that there were other people providing leads to her co-conspirators does not undermine her culpability. So the government has some additional points in their memorandum, one of which they discuss Jen Shaw's argument about how her family will suffer during her incarceration. And the government says, to be sure, Jen Shaw's family may find it difficult during Jen Shaw's incarceration, as is true of the family members of anyone who is incarcerated. But Jen Shaw engaged in brazen criminal conduct for nearly a decade each day, knowing she was putting her liberty at risk and that it would hurt those closest to her if she were caught. The harm Jen Shaw has caused to her own family through her choices and her actions should not inure to her benefit at sentencing, especially when balanced against the horrific outcomes for victims of her conduct. Another quick thing I want to point out here, the government several times has said for nearly a decade, and I think that's very intentional. One, decade sounds a lot longer than nine years, and two, they're asking for a 10-year sentence, and so they're essentially asking for a year in jail for every year that she participated in this scheme. So I I think they're not pointing that out specifically, but I think they're putting that in the judge's head by repeating nearly a decade several times. In addition to pointing out how she's more culpable than several of the other co-defendants that got more time than the amount she's asking for, 
The government says, in addition, unlike many of the others, Jen Shah had a spouse who made a very good living. She had no need to commit the crime to support herself or her family. She did so out of pure greed. Yeah, the government's not pulling any punches here. (laughs) Finally, they state that although Jen Shah does present some mitigating circumstances, a below-guideline sentence of 120 months imprisonment is a sufficient variance to account for those circumstances. The sentences requested by Jen Shah and recommended by the by the probation office are not called for by the facts of the case and would fail to recognize the seriousness of the conduct at issue and the damage done to the victims. And it would not send an appropriate message to Jen Shah, others similarly situated, the public or the victims about Jen Shah's criminal conduct. There are simply no factors that justify the extraordinary leniency sought by Jen Shah or the substantial downward variance recommended by the probation office. Jen Shaw had an outsized presence in the scheme for nearly a decade. Put simply, she was a prolific enabler and one of the main, although not the only, drivers of the business opportunity scheme. And for a large number of participants in the business opportunity scheme, including nearly all of those charged in this case and the related Katabshi case, Jen Shaw reigned soon. As promised, we are going to read in the text messages that the government attached to its sentencing memorandum for Jen Shaw. And it is Sissy's birthday, so she is going to take a little break, and I'm going to have my husband play the roles of the co-conspirators, and I will be reading as Jen Shaw. So the first text message is from March 21st, 2017. A co-conspirator, Raymond Quills, sending Jen a link that says, from the U.S. Department of Justice, six New Jersey men charged in Manhattan federal court for telemarketing fraud scheme targeting the elderly. Jen responds, in all caps, holy fucking shit. Six exclamation points. A few days later, on March 30th, 2017, Jen and the co-conspirator Raymond Quills have another exchange, and they refer to a person named AC, which we believe is the co-conspirator Anthony Cheedy, which we have discussed on this podcast before. AC knows about Lou's money laundering charges, right? With the drug arrest? Um, no. What is this from? Are you serious? Is it drug-related? When he was arrested in October 29th. Oh, I see. It's for the drug charges, but he has to prove where his money comes from, so they're looking at all of his bank accounts for business. They're going to see Anthony's account passing money to Lou's corpse, and he's supposed to explain what that is. Okay. That's why his Chase accounts got shut down. Oh. Yes, but none of us knew he was dealing drugs. No, you're missing what I'm saying. They have most likely looked at Anthony's bank accounts that pay Lou slash Barbara's accounts. I'll call. Okay. Yes, but doesn't AC have a legitimate explanation for that? No. Should I be worried? You? No, you didn't process. Okay. So again, you can see the government is attaching these to show that Jen was fully aware that what she was doing was illegal and that she was at risk for being caught and potentially charged with something. And it shows her state of mind. So moving on to text messages from October of 2017, Jen says, thanks, guys. Do we need to refund this blank lady? Or is she done crying and ready to move forward? Rays, are you losing your touch with the ladies? She's good. Caroline just called me and said that both deals from today won't sign the contracts and want to cancel. Can the sales rep on each of these deals contact the client and see what's going on, please? Mike, please call me ASAP. Guys, we won't have this problem where deals don't get compiled until hours later. Rays, please have your guy Nick here tomorrow at 6.30 a.m. to interview. If we like him, then how soon can he start? So then the text messages go on, and these are from December of 2017. So this is Jen and Stuart Smith talking about setting up operations internationally in Cyprus and Kosovo. So I flew to Palm Springs this morning and met with that guy and flew back. He will let us use his company in Cyprus to set up international. 
I think we should def do it and move fulfillment if we can. We need to have a candid discussion with Taylor. They have a 12K square foot facility in Cyprus and Kosovo. Oh, wow. Let's do it. Yeah, I was pretty excited about it when we met. It was worth it. I didn't see Sharif. He got home and then left with Whittingham. I guess he'll be back Friday. Oh, man, that sucks. But I want to hear more and get it going. I'm all in. Yeah, we have to do it and minimize the risk. That's shitty that you won't see him until then. I'm so sorry, Jen. I'm with you. Let's do it for sure. Then we can run this for a long time. Does it sound like it takes a while to set it up and get it going? I'm sure with these guys willing to help and already there, it streamlines in and moves it along much faster. He was basically saying they have the directors and nominees all set up already, and we could use their corp setup. Otherwise, yes, it takes a while. Okay, now we're moving on to January 2018. This is Jen Shaw with another co-conspirator, someone by the name of Caroline. I'm still going to have my husband read Caroline's text. Did you reach customer redacted name, the chargeback? We've been calling him every day with no answer. He is really sick and 85. I'll try him right now. Don't process through Vivid. Use MPG for now. Sidebar, MPG stands for Mastery Pro Group, and that's Jen's sales floor in Manhattan. Okay. Whose sale is redacted name? We've been using Mastery Pro Group this week for the most part. Ray's reversed the chargeback with Citibank for redacted. All of redacted's reversal letter, partial refund doc, and continuation were sent yesterday at 12.14 and 12.59 p.m. to Dan and an admin. I just forwarded to corporate as well. Why did we charge redacted name's credit card three times for one sale? It's the same credit card. Do you know? 4K limit on VQD. Plus, you can't have the same dollar amount. It has to be $1 off. So I did $3,999, $4,496. There's no limit on VQD per transaction other than the cap we put in place of $7,935. NextGen had a 4K limit per transaction when we used their account, but Mastery Pro Group and VQD don't have a transaction limit. I swear when we first had the merchant fin for VQD, Stu said 4K. Okay, noted 7995 on each. Is there any way we can start recording calls? That way, when we go to do the reversal, we also have an audio file of them saying yes. I'd like to continue or I'd like to retract my dispute. Plus an audio file of them signing up in the first place. Let me check that. Good idea. I'm on a flight. I'm sorry. You know what? Tell Vic 7,995 then. Because I am on a flight. Can we run 8,495 in one shot? Yes. Did someone tell you we couldn't? Hold on. Don't process it yet. I'm taking off. Stu said 7,995 for both this morning. You'll have to wait 15 minutes. Okay, no problem. Until I have Wi-Fi. Then tell Victor no. I did. Okay, these next messages are between Jen Shaw and Stu Chain, Stuart Smith. I believe this is the text message exchange that the government was referring to where several accounts that Jen had set up in another co-conspirator's name had been drained. And so Jen had lost a lot of these profits from these fraudulent activities. And she was very mad. And she appears to be taking it out on Stu Chains. But also pay attention to what Jen is saying here because it's very clear she's in charge. Please don't do this. I'm done. Have a nice life. I will always make sure you're taken care of, and I always have. I always put you first and before me. I've always been over backwards for you, Jen. I've told you I don't need to be paid from MPG at all, and we take care of you. I'm dropping off this car. You said you think it's fair because of what I get paid from Red Steel? That's not even my entire salary. This isn't even worth discussing. You don't get it. I'm done. Red Steel is my thing. The data was always mine. You want to keep it? Keep it. I told you to take a higher percentage from Mastery Pro Group. Because you are the one away and gone. I've said it. I'll go out there too. 
and you said it was fine. I'll go into competition with you. I'm not going into competition with you. Those are my contacts, my leads. If we aren't together, I'm done. Do what you want. Please, call me or answer my call. I'll be there in 15 minutes. The keys will be in your truck. I've told you before. Let's change it and you take a larger chunk in this. I'll be there tonight at some point. I'm cleaning out the car. And you should be taking a bigger chunk. I'm sorry that there hasn't been more there with Mastery Pro Group. There hasn't been anything for a while there, but let's work out a better compensation plan for you with it. I've always tried to do my best to make sure you're paid and taken care of. I've tried to come out there or go out there so you don't have to do it all the time. I'm so sorry you resent me. I don't want that at all. I try to handle LS and RS so you don't have to worry about it. And I try to step in and help with MPG too. As soon as you told me there was the shortfall, I got that money back for you. And I'm handling the extra thousand from LS. He's already talked to them about cutting salaries and I met with them about getting you paid the thousand a week from them. Lately, the 5% has fallen short and Taylor has helped to make up the shortfall since we brought it to his attention. I just told him the Kosovo expense were what we talked about before, so those are the numbers he needs to get off. He messaged back and said the number he had was around 5860 He's running the latest P&L, and we need to get you on payroll. It's at $1,099 or W-2 for the extra $1,000 a week. I'm sorry that I have let you down, Jen. I'm trying to do all I can to make sure you are taken care of. I will make sure I'm doing better, but let's talk about this. I know I'm not out in New York City, but I promise I am busting my ass trying to keep up with you. I will go out there with you or in your place. I don't want you out there away from your family. It's not fair. I have no issue being out there and spending more time there. And if you are away, you should be compensated for it, bottom line. Let's make sure you're made whole and then some. These text messages refer to the victim in the government's memorandum, who is a 70-year-old widow. You will hear the exchange between Jen and Stuart Smith and another male co-conspirator about how they are excited on having defrauded her. And this is pretty icky, so I apologize in advance, but we want to give you guys the full picture of what's going on. And you'll see exactly why the government attached these text messages to the memorandum. There's four people involved here. My husband's going to read all of the male parts. The first one is Nick Fernandez. Then there's Jennifer Shaw, which will be me. And then my husband will also be reading Stuart Smith and the co-conspirator Ray. Rays would like two cards, 10K sale, 7K one card, 3K second card. Customer name? Client's name redacted. Redacted e-commerce consulting. Got it. And now this is Stuart Smith responding on the text chat. We'll get to a computer and look it up, and let's see if we can get approval to go above the cap of 7995 Then the salesperson, Rays, jumps in. Hey guys, she agreed to 9995 Yeah, because she had the seven on one card. Wouldn't make sense to do the extra card for just 1K. She's laughing and excited, and I think she's in love with me. LOL. Stuart Smith chimes in. But there's a sales cap of 7995 so we need to check on that. Jen Shaw. If she's in love with you, then you better make sure she loves you for at least 16 weeks so she doesn't charge back. LOL. Co-conspirator seller. Laughing my ass off. Does that mean yes? Smiley face. Jen Shaw. Are you wearing your checkered vans and matching backpack? Nah, we have a new dress code. Ha ha ha. I burned the backpack. Another co-conspirator. Laughing my ass off. How did you know? But I can't part ways with the vans. Stuart Smith. How many pairs of vans do you have? Co-conspirator salesman. Laugh out loud. Probably like 15 or more. Jennifer Shaw. LMAO. Since you burned the backpack, then Stuart said yes. Raise, close this lady. Solid. Send a selfie. Whatever you need to do so she stays in love with you. LOL. Stuart Smith. But we need video or photographic proof. LOL. Co-conspirator salesman. She closed. She sent me nude photos already, and she's calling me daddy. L-O-L-O-L. Oh, wow. Nice job. 
And again, that's them cracking jokes over a 70-year-old widow who is giving them her life savings. All right, we're still in 2018. Here we're going to read text messages between Jen Shaw and Stuart Smith, and they're going to talk about trying to avoid chargebacks. Jen Shaw, there's two deals from last week that we need to refund before they charge back. Client is disputing charges. Phil's deals. Prize, surprise. Stuart Smith. Which ones? And I can process them right now if we need. Dan, you'll need to update the sheets, though. This is from Dan, the accountant, who responds. He's on the group text. Okay, which deals? Jen Shaw, I'm getting the details now. But let me get the details of the situation for you. I don't want more chargebacks. I think she used two cards or you've sold her multiple times. Stuart Smith. Sounds good, and thank you for the heads up on them. I see two separate cards on VOD from April 1st. One for 2200 and another for 795 I was looking for older transactions, too. Dan, the accountant, chimes in. Redacted was the one I emailed about yesterday that charged back on another of her sales, and that should be called ASAP to avoid another on her second sale. I left her recent sale off, preparing today because I had a feeling it would be stopped. Is the other one redacted? Stuart Smith responds. She has more transactions from March as well in VQD. Let me see if this works. Stuart sends an Excel sheet. Dan, the accountant, chimes back in. All our VQD transactions are in March. She used one card, March 7th, for 8,995 sale, and two other different cards for her April 27th, 2095 sale. She only charged back the first sale so far. She was also sold twice on Mastery Pro Group. Stuart Smith chimes back in. And who was the rep for each sale? Was it Phil on all of them? Dan, the accountant, chimes back in. She had a split sale on two different cards on 221 in Mastery Pro Group, totaling 9995 Ray sold Mastery Pro Group, and Ray's and Phil split the first VQD sale, and Phil had the second VQD sale. Can I get an updated list of all client chargebacks, please? And then a list of clients that we build on more than one credit card? I need to have that list called to make sure clients are solid. Dan, the accountant. I've built a current chargeback list into the sales sheet for both companies on its own tab called Chargebacks, LOL. So you can see most current status is all chargebacks at any time. I'm working on the other reports you asked for, and we'll have it to you shortly. Stuart Smith responds. Hey, Dan, can you put the list together and email it over? Neither of us are at the place to pull up the docs and sort through it. Thanks. Dan, the accountant, responds. I'm working on the multi-card sales list right now. Did you also mean the chargeback tab on the sales sheet, too? I can drop it off if you need and email it also. Jinshaw. I'll just check that tab on the sales sheet. Our compliance department, Nick, is completely unorganized. There were four deals not compiled last night. So Caroline is compiling five deals now. Apparently three were authorized, but nothing else done. We're still in 2018, and now we're going to read a series of texts between Jen Shaw and another salesperson talking about, again, trying to keep these shady deals from getting charged back. This person is Steve Z. Steve Z. Hey, Jen, do you have a quick sec? Yes. Sorry for the confusion. The husband and wife did not want me on the phone with Bank to apply for increase. When they called me back, they said they had 3500 but did not say it was on three cards until now. So I'm going to have to drop 2K social media since that's the highest likely they have on any one card. Again, sorry about that. I told them before we could only do one card, but clearly they misunderstood. We can run two cards on two different merchant accounts. So run one card on Mastery Pro Group and one on our backup account. She would have 2K on one, 1,200 on another. So we would have to reduce 800 on social media. If that is okay, I'll call her back now. She'd be very happy. So it'd be 3,200 total. The third card only has 250. Okay, these are more text messages from 2018. There's multiple co-conspirators on here. There is Steve Z. There's a person named Pete. There's someone called Ray's who's been on these before. Stuart Smith and then 
Conan Allen, and my husband will be playing all the male parts. I will be Jin Shaw. All right, so this is Steve Z. I'm digging through the database as we speak. Scheduled a guy that no-showed from a few months back who said he had to put biz on hold for a while, but is looking good to get back in. So it should be a decent lead. We'll try and find a few others today as well. Jennifer Shaw. I'm coming in to set appointments for these guys tomorrow. Please get my 24-karat gold headset with diamond-encrusted mouthpiece ready. Poppy needs money for the weekend, and Stevie Z needs baby mama money. Stevie Z responds. This is true. Ray's responds. Ditto. I need money for my weekend for sure. All right. These text messages are also from 2018, and these text messages are Jen Shaw talking about the business and then getting Stuart Smith to lie in his deposition testimony with the FTC, which, as you all know, legal team, he pled guilty to obstruction of justice for lying in a federal proceeding. And he lied because Jen told him exactly how to lie. And you're, you're going to see this all play out here. So again, I'm Jennifer Shaw. My husband is Stu Chains. Good morning. I moved the later flight. So let's do depot prep on the phone for at least a solid hour and then call Taylor and Kara ASAP. I met with Conan this morning and went through a transaction list for Kosovo. And he's talked with Daniel and Mike this morning. I will update you when I talk to you. Please let me know when you're free. I have to leave for the airport in three hours at 1.30. A side note, one of the people they're talking about here is Kara. Kara is the attorney representing Stuart Smith in the FTC investigation. I'm free. Sorry, I didn't wake up to take them to church, so Lindsay took them. Give me two shakes and I'll call. Did Kara respond? She hasn't responded yet. I promise I'll let you know as soon as she does. I'm going to take a pic of that exhibit sheet for you. One minute. She sends a pic of the exhibit sheet. Stuart Smith. Call you right back. Just got out of the shower. It's okay. I'm just driving. I'm putting all the questions and answers in an Excel doc, and I'll send it to you so you can practice it today. Boarding my flight. Yes. Jen sends multiple other attachments. Yay. Yes, just came through. Oh, good. Getting ready to take off. So when I'm up in the air on Wi-Fi, I'll send you the list of questions and answers. Okay, sounds perfect, Jen. Get some wine and tequila and close your eyes for a second. Side note, who the hell drinks wine and tequila at the same time? I would drink wine and tequila at the same time. No, you wouldn't. Okay, maybe you would, but still, that's ter- yeah, That's horrifying. I probably have. It's horrifying. Jen sends a list of questions and answers. I emailed that to you. Save it on your laptop and delete the email. On it. Looking at it now. We're going to bang this bitch out. It's like eight pages. I figured I'll send it to you so you can at least start reviewing the questions. By the time I meet with you tonight, this bitch will be 50 pages, LOL. If you can answer the questions, type your answer in just to get a feel for it. Some questions are there for us to discuss tonight and come up with an answer together. Remember, they can only ask questions that relate to VSMR slash rise in your capacity at Red Steel. But I still included general questions in case Carr is a fucking idiot and doesn't shut them down. Sounds good. I'm going over it as we speak. Your go-to answer is, I don't know, I don't remember. I don't know is the best answer, though, because if you don't know, you don't know. Sharif will help us on any questions we're unsure of how to best answer or phrase it. I have a list to ask him about. Okay, that'll be perfect. Deleted. I'm putting together a list of stuff we need to ask Kara about or emphasize with her, like, if they ask anything that has nothing to do with VSM, are you going to object and then force them to move on because it's not in the scope of the subpoena? Smart to do with her, to make sure she is reminded and keeps them on topic with VSM and Rise and nothing else. Yes, and we need to know if she's going to be a bulldog with them or not, because if she doesn't and you have to answer questions, then I want to be prepared for that. But if they keep asking you questions that aren't within the scope, you can turn to Kara or say out loud, I need to take a break. Then pull her ass out and tell her you're not answering any more fucking questions that aren't part of the scope of the subpoena. I don't think it'll go that far, but just in case. I'll come with you on Tuesday morning. I'll sit in the car if I have to. Side note, Jen is not just coaching Stuart Smith to lie. She's also coaching him on unethical tactics during a deposition. Back to Stuart Smith. We need to set that with her and tell her to be a bulldog and not let them go outside the scope. She has to shut it down. And if there's an issue, you better believe 
we will be taking a break. I'll be somewhere so you can get to me on breaks if you need me. If the deposition goes all day or past lunch, they have to give you an hour break for lunch. So we'll be able to touch base at lunch if it goes that long. Let's plan on it going all day and pray that it doesn't. It'll be comforting to know you're there close. I wish it was all at their office so you could be there inside down the hall. Yeah, me too. I don't give a fuck. I'll sit my ass right in the hallway waiting. Laugh out loud. Maybe you should just come in and we say your name is Miranda, the paralegal. Or Beyonce, the paralegal. Shit, if Darren isn't there, I will. But even if he is there, he probably won't recognize me from my librarian outfit and glasses and hair in a bun. LOL, LOL, LMFAO. Just getting in the car. I love you. You've got this. You're in control of this. You're going to do awesome stew. Take a deep breath and relax before you go in. Go kick ass. Going all right, I think. Just here taking a leak. Okay, Cupcake. I know you're doing awesome. I'm sitting here across the street in case I need to come rescue you. LOL. I'm turning my phone back off. Okay, you got this. FYI, Jared was looking for you. I told him you had jury duty today. I told Crystal the same thing. Now we're on text messages between Jen and someone named Spencer Simpson, which I'm pretty sure is actually Stuart Smith. This is Jen noting more co-conspirators that got indicted. This is a series of text messages where Jen is noting that more of their co-conspirators companies are getting hit with actions by the FTC. Here, there's an injunction against one of their co-conspirators' companies. Jen Shaw, did you see this? And then she sends the link. FTC releases a press release that the FTC t- obtained a court order. Stuart Smith. Yeah, Moab got hit as well. That's old news. I hate the Obama FTC. Not fun. They just got TRO'd 6-5. I saw the press release today. TRO stands for Temporary Restraining Order. That's Moab. Yep. We're still in 2018. We're in July of 2018. And this is a series of text messages between Jen and Stuart Smith, where they are talking about using encrypted messaging apps and setting up different company names. Jen Shaw, I told Crystal download Telegram and we'll have all the reps download Telegram as well. That way, we will have everyone delete their Viber accounts. I told Conan, delete the sales group in Viber that he set up. I just went off on Conan about Mike and all this. Okay, I'm almost done setting up the emails. Thanks so much, Stu. I assume you want a different name than corporate? Let's do Big Bad Booty. Yeah, Bootylicious, LMAO. LOL. I think I'm scaring the shit out of Conan. Sounds like it's necessary. And you shouldn't be. It's common sense. How many times have you been through this shit? It just sucks that they are stagnant and paralyzed. Would be nice if they had both help out, but neither has or will. And this is their mess too. As far as I'm concerned, Mike doesn't work for us. I told Conan that. I told Crystal last week, Mike doesn't work for us and never has. True that. But I'm talking about their shit you are helping them with. You seem to be more concerned than they are. Mike is just hiding out under his bed somewhere. Stuart, I have researched literally everything. And found Conan an attorney. Oh, yes, you have. Do you want to be advice at myassistance.co? Let me think. I'm looking up synonyms. I don't think I want advice because it could be looked at in the literal meaning for advice. I was looking up synonyms for help. LOL. I'll find another one. Delete the sales scripts from the Google Drive. Okay. Let's not have any scripts other than me and you have them personally. This next set of text messages, which is also from 2018, is Jen talking to Stuart Smith about Conan, who I believe is their... Kosovo international setup person. And Jen is extremely angry that Conan was interviewed by someone. I believe probably the Department of Homeland Security, something like that. It doesn't say in the text messages specifically who, but it was definitely someone that was investigating. And you'll see how this goes. Jen Shaw. Well, I just got done talking to Conan after his meeting. And that's why I took two pills. 
I really lost it. Well, I will always make sure you're taken care of. It's not right if you're getting the short end. I'm not okay with that. What? Why? It's like, you don't live here. I'm being nice and letting you stay here. Why would you give my address? So side note, what I think is going on here is Jen was letting Conan, their international co-conspirator, stay in her luxury New York apartment. I'm like, you don't live here. I'm being nice and letting you stay here. Why would you give my address? There's no reason for that. Exactly. No! Please tell me he didn't give them your name. Like, even the address. But your name? Jen, that's a shit ton of Huckleberry Vodka for us. I don't get why he's giving them your name. That makes zero sense. Stu, my address and my name. He didn't spell my name, but WTF, they can get it from the Mercedes building now. Side note, y'all, Google the Mercedes building in New York City. The place is so nice. That's what they're talking about. I'm still asking why and what the point is. I mean, I guess they want to know where he is so they can find him, but still. I'm going to call you. And then this next text message, it's in the same chain, but this is Jen going off vicariously on this Conan person. Look, bitch, I'm doing you a favor. You aren't on the lease and you don't pay rent. Therefore, you don't live here. If someone is doing you a favor, you bring my name into a criminal federal prosecution case. My home is my place of refuge. All caps. They could come in with a warrant now at any time if they wanted to. Plus, Mercedes House has all my last three years of everything next to my DNA results when I had to apply to live here. Yeah, it makes no sense at all. And hey, I bounce around from one friend's house to the next friend's. Or give them an old address. If they ask, they have to say he doesn't live there. Right? Six question marks. Are you serious? Four question marks. Give them your fucking address in California where you do live, or tell the truth that you were living in Cyprus and all of your stuff is still there so you don't have a permanent residence. You just got back to NYC two weeks ago and you're looking for a place. He's not on the lease and he doesn't pay rent, so you lied. You don't rent or live there. He had no right to do that. I'm just still in disbelief that he would mention you or where you lived. He's not on anything and doesn't pay. None. Stuart, I'm so pissed. He said he worked for Fortitude LLC. They asked how much he made last month, and he said around 3K. I was like, holy fuck. You've never got a paycheck from us. If I could get on a plane tonight, I would. No, he didn't. He doesn't and has never been paid from them. WTF, dude. He had no issue lying about that? I said you cannot say where you work. We want nothing to do with this bullshit. He said they didn't ask where it was or anything else. The truth is, you haven't been working. You've been consulting, but you haven't performed, so you haven't gotten paid. Exactly. Now they have a name to look into. He hasn't been paid. Isn't this part of the reason he hasn't been paid? Yes, is exactly why. And then he says that and hasn't even been paid, and would be paid or employed by Fortitude. Telegram. So I'm assuming now they switched over to Telegram for the rest of that exchange. So now we're on to 2019, and Jen sends a link to the press release for the guilty verdict in the Katabshi case. And it says, two men found guilty in wire fraud and money laundering connection with telemarketing fraud. And she says to Stu, there's the latest press release link that shows all 15 people's names and companies. Now we're still in 2019. And this is Jen Shaw and Stuart Smith talking about how they want to distance themselves from Dan, the accountant. Stu, this isn't good. Stu, we have to get away from Dan. He did the books for Ray. He did Ray's books too? Fuck, this motherfucker. I'm telling you, I had a bad feeling a year ago and this isn't good. This is very bad. Let's pull the plug and we'll figure out the books and all that. Just end it with them and it'll all work out. Even if we have to do it ourselves for now. He's using us, Stu. He knew darn well what was going on with Ray. He had to have known. He's probably been questioned, too. He was wiring Ray and vice versa. And he was already in trouble for his other shit with Joe and Lou, too. Stu. 
Ray emailed Mastery Pro Group. We need to rebrand Mastery Pro Group. Ray never got in trouble for the reliable business consultant stuff. They never talked to him. Dan needs to think we're shutting down. You're right. Better he thinks that so he can't go to anyone to say it's open or operating. I'm sick. Conan better get his ass to the office and take the fucking computer out of there. I'm honestly glad that Caroline will be working from home. Yep. Less risk and information at the office. Side note, they're going to be talking about working remote. This is from 2019. COVID hadn't hit yet. They're wanting to work remote to be able to hide evidence easier. You almost feel like we should be working remote and no office and somewhere for them to come to. Stu, do you understand that Mastery Pro Group paid Ray for the CRM and that Slimeball knew he was being investigated? Oh, my God. We did send him a payment for sure. Then he got mad when we wouldn't send him any more. What a fuck. And I'm sure Dan was well aware. Was it 2500 And it was a deposit, right, for him to start the work? I'm reading the complaint. It was a deposit for him to start. I think it was 1500 or 2500 Then he went psycho because we wouldn't pay him more. He delivered it, and it was dog shit. They got one person to pay $149,000. do not Mike or Conan go out to meet with him? Mike did. Can we find out how much we paid and when? Let me see what I can find. I think those bank accounts are shut down. Let me ask dickhead Dan. Fuck Ray and fuck Dan. You know, these six guys were arrested and put in jail on March 27, 2017. There was no, hey, come talk to us about it or raid your office first. They were all arrested and had to be bailed out of jail. Didn't they nab one of them at the airport or something? Bail was $500,000. No, they arrested them all in New York and New Jersey. Okay. Then Jen, who clearly is able to access Pacer, sends a screenshot of the docket from the case. Is it open to the public? The sentencing? Jen sends another screenshot of the docket. Okay, so this is two days later, and this is Jen Shaw again to Stuart Smith. I need to take a pill. I know you won't go to New York. I'm going to text Caroline and tell her I'll pay her for tomorrow because she's already cleared her schedule, but ask if she can start Tuesday. The Dan thing is really upsetting to me, and I'm angry that you didn't listen to me, and now you have put us in unnecessary risk keeping this asshole this long. You need to stop procrastinating and hiding from these things. They won't go away, and you'll get yourself in serious trouble with this dirty asshole. You're playing Russian roulette with him, Stuart. He's going to get you dragged in to done bullshit. I am telling you for the hundredth time, I don't have a good feeling about this. I haven't since over a year ago. Just, just as a side note, that text message is January 14th, 2019. Stuart responds. We are in this together. No answer from Dan. Let me know on what you find with your script and I can reach out to Lisa too. Let's get rid of Dan, figure out Sally for Conan, get you your own space back, get new accounting group and figure out Caroline. We got this. Let me help you. I can run sleeping pills up to you if you want. Neat. All right. Then there's a couple of redacted blocks. Jen responds. Homeland Security, NYPD Crimes Unit, Department of Justice and CIA are the investigating agencies. GOJ is who issued the press release. Got it. Thank you. I sent this to Jake. I just looked online at the Department of Justice press release on November 8th, 2018. Oh my God. Did you see Ray Quills with Prestige Worldwide is listed in that whole thing with Bill Sinclair? Side note, first of all, how dare they use stepbrothers for evil? Second of all, this is Jen talking about the co-conspirator that she was communicating with in the very beginning when we started reading these text messages. This is from the Katabshi case where these guys all got indicted which is the precursor case to the Cheaty case, which is the case that Jen was indicted in. Also, Dan said he wonders if Ray processed for them. He didn't know, but thought with the wire fraud charges, that may be why. All right, guys, so that's it. That's all we're going to read in for now. You can see from listening to these that Jen's statements on the show and her proclamations of innocence and that she didn't understand what was going on or why she even got arrested were 
complete garbage. She's actually very, very smart. She has a ton of business acumen. And if she would have applied her skill set to something legal, it probably would have done quite well. Yeah, and we mentioned it earlier in the app, but it's just so interesting to see how businessy she was and like calling the shots. And she's very smart. So, okay. Well, as a reminder, January 6th is when Jen Shaw's sentencing will occur. This episode will be out Monday. And then our next episode will be discussing her sentence. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Bravo Docket is part of the Acast Creator Network. <laughs> 